Greetings, everyone. Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Diana Lover Durajunets is a multi-award winning dog health writer, vegan canine nutritionist. Please click like to help be green with Amy. Welcome, Diana Lover Durajunets. Greetings and hey. welcome, Diana. <laughs> hey, it's awesome to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here representing our canine friends because most of the time I'm talking to people about our human friends. And there's so many people, some of whom may be watching or listening to my podcast right now, who have dogs and that may be overweight, have diabetes or other health concerns. And perhaps some of them have found weight loss and health benefits after adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle for themselves. And maybe yeah. they're wondering if the same could be said that for their own canine friends, or maybe they haven't adopted this lifestyle, but they're still interested in some health concerns for their canine friends and their fur babies. And I'm so glad that you're here today, Diana, to tell us about the benefits of feeding our dogs a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to spread the good word about all the health benefits. So yeah, let's dive in and do it. Okay, well, what we'd like to do, and we do have questions that have already come coming in on our chat, and, and I know there's a lot of interest here, and feel free, Green Warriors out there, to type in a question, and we'll toward the end, we're going to save that and give that to Diana. But also, I'm really excited because Diana has offered to give us one of her books for a giveaway. So it's a book giveaway. I'm going to tell you more about that a little bit later and how you can enter to win a book. And not, not just a book, but her book about canine <laughs> nutrition. So we'll talk about that a little bit later too. So why don't we get started with our true or false game? It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, we're ready to start with our first question. So get ready, green warriors. True or false? Dogs are carnivores who need to eat meat to be healthy. Okay. Type in your guess for the answer. And Diana, go ahead and tell us what the answer is. Yeah, the answer is false. Dogs are omnivores, just like people are nutritionally. And for anyone out there who goes, no, but dogs are carnivores. They were classified hundreds of years ago taxonomically as carnivores, just like even some herbivores fall into that categories such as panda bears and um but nutritionally over tens of thousands of years they have evolved alongside us and they are nutritional omnivores wow i love that so you i can what? expand on that more or yeah or, yeah yeah well i get we'll dive a little bit deeper into it but just that right that that little snippet that's something that people can just play 
<laughs> you know, to share with their uh, friends and families if they're if they're doing Tweetable this with their dog and people yeah. are, are concerned. They'll say, just watch this little part right here. <laughs> and, uh, healthy lifestyle solutions. That's Maya Acosta. She said she's very excited about today's topic. Oh. Thank so, you. and yeah, and T is saying thanks and Kate Paris Murphy is saying thank you. So we have a lot of people that are already excited that you're here and we might be even getting more people hopping on soon. So that was our first question. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, let's go to our second question. Are you ready, Green Warriors? Here we go. So true or false, dogs can get all the protein and amino acids they need from just plants. Mm, that's tricky. I don't know much about those things, so we're going to find out. You guys will put in your answers. Go ahead, Diana. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that is true. And what the difference is, is that, of course, we have the total protein intake that we have per day. And then also protein is made up of individual amino acids. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, they can't because meat contains all of the amino acids they they need in, you know, maybe one sitting. But the truth is that plant products contain all of the amino acids that dogs need. You just need to eat a variety so that you're getting this amino acid from here and this amino acid from here. So while no one particular plant product, except perhaps for soy, which is a complete protein for dogs, um, might not have, the rest of them might, you know, lentils might not have every amino acid or chickpeas, but when you combine them all into a whole food plant-based diet with variety, you get all of the protein and all of the amino acids that dogs need. I'm glad that you said that. That's something that people who are on a plant-based diet for themselves, for humans, they often get that question. And it used to be thought that you couldn't get all the protein you needed or that you would have to combine proteins in, in a certain way. And of course, research has proven that it's even better for, at least for humans, it's better for them if they don't try to combine everything and they just kind of put it in as they go and let their bodies decide when it's appropriate to combine them so that they're, it's, it's, it's better for their health. But it's a little confusing because now, I mean, dogs are not human. So we want to make sure that we're getting it right. And I'm glad that you cleared that up. Yeah. And that's why variety, and, and I don't, you don't have to have variety in the same meal. You don't have to combine it. The importance is to combine it over time, right? Over, over days and weeks and months so that you're getting that, you know, mix up of, of amino acids and you might combine certain proteins and grains which have complementary, you know, amino acids. So we don't have to do this in every meal. We're doing it over time. Yeah. And Healthy Lifestyle Solutions says, yes, my dog loves tofu. Yeah. <laughs> Organic tofu is one of my favorite things for dogs. Uh, bravo. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that, that that's something that if you were, had, had a, a dog that was very active, maybe, and you were, might might be concerned if they were not getting and eating enough protein, that that might be helpful to add in the diet, do you think? I think that tofu is a wonderful addition for, for dogs. Yeah, absolutely. They, it, it's just... Um, even tempeh fermented is, is it, you know, is, is wonderful as well. 
Um, so I'm all for it. I put a lot of, uh, in my, in my recipes that I do for people, I include tofu a lot. Hmm. Well, now that we're yeah. kind of talking about protein and, and, and health, maybe you could talk a little bit about, well, first, maybe we should say that there probably are some human foods that, and on the plant-based oh, sure. diet that dogs should not have. Do you, maybe you want to run down some of those? Yeah. And I would refer someone because it's possible that, you know, off the top of my head, I'll miss something and yeah. I, I don't want anyone to think I'm doing a complete list. Oh, and um, before, I, the book, before I, I let I, you do that, I want to let everybody know that this is the book that we're talking about for the book giveaway. And if you want a comprehensive book about how to feed your dog and all the nutrients and the health and, and even health concerns are in here and protocols for that. Yeah. So like Ayanna said, she, maybe she might miss something, but it's in here, you know, so just, right. just to let you right. know. Go ahead, Diana. Sure. So things on the very top of the list would be onions, very bad, never feed onions or grapes, chocolate. Uh, anything with caffeine, macadamia nuts, uh, alcohol, hopefully that goes without saying, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, grapes, raisins, again, macadamia nuts, onions, chocolate, um, you know, they always include yeast dough. I would hope that no one is feeding their dogs uh, unbaked yeast, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't think we as people would want to eat that either. Um, and, you know, people are, are, another question is people, um, often ask about garlic. Now, yes, garlic, that was what I was going to ask you is, next. And it's, and it's in the book. Yeah. In the proper amounts, garlic, there, there was, some, there were studies done a long time ago that were kind of not accurately, um, uh, the premise was not accurate and it came people, it, it caused people to panic about garlic. And what we now know is that when fed not to excess, um, it's actually very cancer fighting. It benefits the heart. So I have what I would call dosages in the book. You would obviously not want to, you know, like, for example, you don't want to give many cloves of garlic a day to a dog, um, but very small, you know, smaller amounts of fresh garlic. I would avoid um, garlic powders and things like that, which might be, you know, are more condensed. So we're talking fresh garlic here. And I talk about what I call a dosage in the book of what would be acceptable for small, medium and large dogs. But um, that is, there are many benefits to appropriate amounts of garlic, whereas onion, you never want to feed, for example, or yeah. Well, that's that's important to know. And as you said, again, we'll repeat that in, in your book, you have a more comprehensive list of the things that are important to avoid yeah. for, for your dog. So that's something that's very important to know, because sometimes we may have leftover food that if especially if we're plant based and we want right. our dogs to be plant based, we might have some leftover food. So we kind of always have to have that in the back of our mind that there may be something, right. especially because even like nutmeg, or, you know, we might yeah. season something with nutmeg, and that's another one that you want to avoid for dogs. Yeah. yeah. And so of course, a big one, a big one, big one, big. See, as I think, I keep thinking of yeah, more, right. Is, is the artificial sweetener xylitol, which mm. you find in a lot of nut butters, which I, you know, we of course want to choose nut butters that just have nuts and that's all. But there are a lot of nut butters, peanut butters out there that contain 
xylitol. So very toxic. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, Kay Paris wants to know how about roasted garlic? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I don't see why that would, you know, be problematic as compared to raw, but I would think that the benefits might come through more with the raw garlic being uncooked. Okay. But I don't yeah. see any, I don't see any additional toxicity reason why you would need to avoid roasted. Just keep it yeah. to the same, you know, levels yeah. that I talk about in the book. Yeah. So it may, you might wind up using more of the roasted because it's kind of well. That's down. what you wouldn't so you want might, to do. Yeah, yeah that's I. That's what you wouldn't slow. want to do. That's why I would just stick with with the fresh, so that you're yeah. getting the the benefits and and you're not adding more. Yeah, Gina said this is fantastic. I'm always afraid I won't give my dog the right mix of vitamins and minerals he needs if I make his food at home. So. Have a lot of people that are interested in what you're going to be talking about today. So, yeah, and I, I myself avoid artificial sweeteners anyway because more and more but a lot research of people is coming out for humans. Products with them, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Even you know, I'll point out that sometimes people will use, for example, you should never use a human toothpaste to brush your dog's teeth. A lot of toothpaste will contain xylitol, so. We have to be just watching for it everywhere because for us, of course, it's not a problem. So, yeah, that's that's there's so much to 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 keep in mind because we we we're not the same, but yet we do have some same characteristics. So, do you want to talk a little bit more about wh why people think that some people may think that it is not a good idea to feed a dog a plant based lifestyle? Sure. We, you know, and go ahead. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I, I, I was just talking with someone earlier who co-founded a commercial uh, vegan dog food company. Um, and, and I'm happy to say the name of that company is called Petaluma. And they do a wonderful job. And we were talking about that question and the, the really fantastic marketing job around meat-based pet food that's been done. Um, you know, the meat-based pet food industry, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but and the animal agriculture industry have really close connections, okay? And, you know, I'm sure we've all turned on our TV and seen the commercials about your wolf jumping out of the TV screen and becoming your dog. There's a lot of marketing dollars behind pushing meat-based foods. On top of that, veterinarians who, you know, I respect immensely. They, they're they all kinds of specialists, you know, within one human being, whereas the medical doctors will have our individual specialists. But what they don't often really learn about is nutrition. And they get their knowledge from the, again, the top mass market meat-based pet food companies. So we're battling those messages, Amy, that have been coming in now for the past few decades when this really first started becoming popular. Because if you think about it, right, back in the day, you know, do you think in the Great Depression that they were taking their meat? These people had no jobs. They lost everything. And, and, and you know, their dogs weren't getting meat, right? And if we go back even further, we go back thousands of years, tens of thousands of years when dogs became, you know, domesticated with, with cavemen, really, um, you know, 
they weren't eating meat. They weren't going out and hunting this hard-earned meat and giving it to their dogs. So we actually have we actually have science that shows dogs going across Eurasia into Europe with the Neolithic in the Neolithic period with agricultural farmers. And what were they eating? They were eating legumes. They were eating grains. So for tens of thousands of years, dogs have been subsisting very well on plant-based diets. And it's only in the past few decades that this began being, this marketing message began being pushed. So we have to consider that in the scope of, you know, all of the time the dogs have been hanging out with people. It's been a very narrow amount of time that that marketing has really come forward about meat, meat, meat. Right. And, and here we are, I mean, you, you actually have adopted this lifestyle for yourself, the whole food plant-based lifestyle as I have, but we're, we're not trying to push, uh, an ideal, right? We're talking about health and, and, and nutrition now. I'm talking about health and, and, or if you want to ask, or, or I think people might be a little bit interested in my story because I've been a canine nutritionist and I have a master of animal science and I've been formulating diets for dogs for, for over a decade. And during much of that time, while I was vegetarian at the time, I continued to formulate meat-based diets. And that's, Amy, because I thought that dogs needed meat. Um, so that's what I you were taught. That, that's what you I was taught. And I yeah. bought into that. And I, I had done interviews of, in writing years ago where they asked about that. And I said, oh, no, don't ever even feed your dog a vegetarian diet. So when I became vegan in 2017, 18, I was going to quit the business. OK, and I think this is important for people to know because I was very willing to walk away from the business in order to never harm a dog. OK, I had this vegan now value of never harming other animals, but I would also never harm a dog. And that's when my husband said, do your own research. And that's what took me to where we are today, that it's, there are enough great movies and books and documentaries about the ethics. I wanted to focus on the health and what I discovered during my research blew my mind. And that's, you know, the links between cancer and meat as I'm sure you, you're well aware, the links, dogs have been getting diabetes and chronic inflammatory lifestyle conditions that they never had before based on eating their humans. So we've taken dogs down a very unfortunate nutritional path and it hasn't been working. So let's look at something else. And for me, the best of both worlds is the it's a very nutritionally sound it has to be well balanced but a well balanced plant-based diet yeah and and unfortunately as as i was researching it because i i had a a dog that she lived till she was 16 she probably wouldn't have if later in life i didn't uh put her on this whole food plant-based lifestyle but while I was researching this, because she was declining in her health and gaining weight, I was learning that this commercial dog food that I was pre buying premium commercial dog food, I was learning that it wasn't necessarily a, a good choice for health. 
and that and and yeah. that the maybe you want to talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, you know, I think if people really knew what went on beyond the marketing messages of commercial meat-based dog food, there would be everyone would be <laughs> feeding plant-based, you know. Um they get the dregs of the dregs of what the animal products are that are unfit for human consumption. Um, you know, it's it, it contains the rendered products are just horrific. But things like used restaurant grease, again, rendered animal products, discarded carcasses can be possible, dead, dying, diseased animals, all kinds of, of really unsavory things that, that you would never want to give any individual that you love, right? So again, you know, a lot of enticement of what we do in life is the marketing messages that we receive. And this is a big industry that has put forward a lot of marketing messages about your dog needs meat. Your dog is a wolf. And I don't know about you, Amy, but my dog sleeps in my bed and, <laughs> you know, cuddles and kisses me. He's not very, you know, he's not, I don't think he'd do very well foraging, uh, hunting for himself, uh, you know, amongst wolves in the wild, right? <laughs> so we're, I think we're very willing to accept that our dogs have evolved like that behaviorally to be like us. But it's much harder for many people to accept that they've also evolved uh, nutritionally because of these continued messages that we get. Yeah, that's, it's so important. And people who have adopted the whole food plant-based lifestyle have been learning about those mixed messages that are given to humans. So of course they're going to give them mixed Imagine with dogs. Yeah. dogs. Yeah. And unfortunately our dog can't communicate to us when their health is declining until we actually see a difference in their behavior or in, in, in something physical, but they, they could be having issues for, for years without us even knowing that there's a problem. And I'm, I'm so proactive that I really want to try to prevent these things. But I may, I, I talked to you about it a little bit that, that I had, I had a dog named Pickles and I'm, I just wanted to bring it up on the screen because she was a Bichon Frise. She's she's not with us anymore, but she did. She lived till she was sixteen, which is pretty long for a Bichon. But she she I didn't feed her anything but the commercial dog food, and then I gave her this one treat that's the color green, and it's supposed to be good for their teeth. And I would only give her one of those a day, and then other than that, I would put out her kibble, and she wouldn't even eat it all. She would just eat until she was full, and then she would walk away. So it wasn't that she was overeating. But year after year, the pounds just kept going, coming on. And I think that her 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 first adult weight was like 13 pounds. And then year after year, she wound up getting up to like 20 pounds. And and I, I couldn't understand where the how she was gaining this weight when I wasn't giving her, you know, I wasn't giving her cheese. I wasn't doing anything like that. Sure. And, uh, and she also was really seemed like she was, we used to call it, call it crack the, the, the green thing that we treat that we would give her because she would try to trick us into giving it to her more than once a day. <laughs> so we say, okay, we're going to make sure we give it to her at six o'clock. So she doesn't trick us that we forgot if we gave it to her or not six o'clock on the nose, she was there. Where's my fix. 
you know. <laughs> but then when we put her on this plant-based diet, you know, in a month, she, she lost five pounds. And that's a lot for that size of a dog. But her, she, she was more, um, had more energy. She, she was kind of like when she would try to run around, she would kind of like wobble and she would get this kind of coughing, kind of barky, weird noise when she got breathless. And that went away. Mm. I mean, everybody's individual things might vary, right? So I'm not saying that this would be everybody's experience, but it was mine. And and then she had these lipomas that were growing under her skin and on the outside of her skin, and they were all over her body. And after a while, they, they turned black and then they fell off. And, and the ones that were under her mm. skin that I could feel, they were shrinking in size. So she started to become more I mean, she wasn't like a puppy, but she started getting more of her energy back. <laughs> and I tell people the, the the only bad part about it was that she, when she lost the weight and went back to her normal weight, she was able to, to not just because of her weight, but because of her energy, she was able to climb, crawl underneath our, our privacy fence <laughs> and get out of the yard. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. I think I want to explore now. So, but, <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. mean, that may not be everybody's experience, but that really just made me think this is something that, that I really wanted to share with people. But there are other health concerns too that you probably hear about with your clients, right? Yes, and and there have been very, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to point out um, kind of an interesting study that was done, and I forget exactly when, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, in Spain. And it's a particularly obese-prone area of Spain, and they looked at the correlation between the obese people and the dogs in their household. And you know, you know what, Amy? I mean, it's really interesting because the dogs were obese when the people were obese, like almost 100% of the time. And they also expressed uh, chronic inflammatory diseases that reflected what the people had. Things that really you don't hear about typically dogs having had like high cholesterol and metabolic diseases. You know, more dogs now are getting diabetes young. Um, so, it, it is scientifically shown that we affect our dog's health through the lifestyle choices. Obesity is a huge problem. It's inflammatory. There's a huge, it, it, overweight and obese dogs lose about two years off their life. And that's a long time for a dog's life. So, you know, yeah, it really, um, it's, it's, shown that they mirror us and we've taken them down kind of a sad nutritional path. Um, I get more and more dogs, uh, people coming to me, unfortunately, with dogs who have cancer. And, you know, I could spend hours talking about bioaccumulated toxins in animal meat, um, which are toxins, you know, we live in a toxic environment, you can't avoid it. And even if there are toxins in plants, you're eating the plant and you're getting the lowest level you can. But then when you eat the food animals that eat the plants and the toxins now, and sometimes eat smaller animals that eat the plants, the toxins accumulate in the fatty tissues of these animals. Then when a human or a dog eats those food animals, they're getting all those bioaccumulated toxins. 
so you're getting there there's studies that have been done that just show the insane levels of toxins in dogs that are well above what even people have in them so you know what's the best way to avoid toxins eat low on the food chain seems like it's a no-brainer but it's very controversial when it comes to dogs oops a lot of these things that you're talking about are applying oh, to gotcha. humans as well right to, to absolutely much crossover. Cancer is so similar in dogs and humans that they do comparative oncology, um, you know, meaning that you use studies and clinical trials for one species to benefit the other. Um, you know, I kind of introduced this concept in a previous book I did in 2015, which unfortunately was not plant-based, but it started and I evolved since then to take it even further to being plant-based. But it's all about, it's called nutrigenomics, and it's all about how on a genomic level, humans and dogs have evolved genomically together. And so really on a cellular level, these things that are carcinogenic and affect us as humans affect them. Okay, you know, our cells, are, our cells aren't so different, right? You know, our teeth might be a little more different, the, the shapes of our faces might be a little more different, but our cells aren't so different. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to it. Wow. Well, I think, I mean, you're not going to be able to cover everything today because if you could see all the, the information that's in this book, there's no way that you could cover it all today. But I think it's two and a half help. years to cover it in the book. <laughs> we'll just have to have you on a weekly as a weekly guest for like a year, and maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I think that a lot of people are interested in 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 feeding their dog this way. Now, if somebody wanted to do a commercial plant based food, is there? I think you kind of talked about it a little bit. Is there? something that they should think about when they're looking or is there maybe a brand you want to recommend? I mean, yeah, there are certain things, you know, I hesitate to recommend brands a lot because there are so many new ones that come to the marketplace. Um, I do like the transparency I said of, you know, the brand Petaluma, which is newer to the market. Um, and, you know, what I would say is you want to look for things like transparency. You want to, you know, if you can, uh, there are some that have organic ingredients. Um, you want to look for non-GMO, organic. I would look for um, foods that contain taurine, which is very important for our dog's heart health. And I do also want to take the opportunity to say that I know someone mentioned, you know, creating their own diets for their dogs. And the book runs people through how to do that properly because there, it, there is supplementation that is needed and we want to make sure that we give the proper supplementation, um, you know, so that we make sure, because the whole key with any type of a diet that you're creating yourself um, is that it has to be nutritionally balanced. So I don't ever want anyone to think they can just put together, um, you know, a, a cadre of, of, of vegetables and, and, and not supplement them or, or, and legumes and not supplement it. And there are specific uh, um, 
plant-based supplement mixes that are meant for plant-based homemade diets, which I mentioned in the book, um, and, and other supplements that I recommend to go along with it. And then we know that, you know, we're getting, we're getting a, a well-balanced diet. And of course I create, for dogs that have specific diseases and things like that, it's very difficult I, you know, for someone to do it on their own. I of course have nutritional formulation software. So I create a lot of uh, custom recipes and do it for dogs with various diseases. So you might turn to someone like myself if your dog has like chronic kidney disease or liver disease or diabetes or that type of thing. So you have certain protocols for, for those specific things and that you have seen that it can help with these, with these conditions. Yeah, I have fabulous results. I mean, dogs with gastrointestinal issues, IBD, pancreatitis, again, you know, I can create using 100% whole plant foods, I can recreate the nutritional, key nutritional parameters, for example, from a, a Hills kidney diet, you know, Hills Science Diet being the pet food company, but using fresh whole plant foods. So the key being if, you know, if that's what I do as an expert, as I arrive at those nutritional numbers that we're looking for, with all these fresh, healthy foods, not these foods that are made from, you know, processed meat ingredients and fillers and things. Yeah, it reminds me of my dog Pickles that we had, and she would get, uh, be prone to the UTI, the urinary tract infections. And so then the vet put her on a commercial specialized kibble for urinary sure. tract infections. And at that time, I had already adopted this lifestyle. So I began to be curious about labels and, and things. And I looked at the label comparing it to her other kibble, which everything was still supposed to be, you know, better label or whatever, better, better brand. And there was so much sodium in the UTI formula. And I said, so all they really, maybe they're doing something else too. But they want her to really drink, doing, right? They want her to start drink. drink more water. <laughs> they want her to drink more water. Amy. And there you go, right? And isn't that? And and there you go. You know about marketing, right? Now we now we can market it as a urinary tract formula, right? So, yeah, yeah. And 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 so then and then it was after that that she started to develop those those growths on her skin and under her skin. And I, and I said, to her, I thought, I wonder if it's from all the salt that, you know, because she was drinking <laughs> oh, an incredible, I mean, her UTIs pretty much went away, but she was drinking an incredible amount of water. And right. <laughs> so interesting. I, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I have adopted the whole food plant-based lifestyle where I am SOS free, sugar, oil, and salt free. So when I saw that, I, I said, there has to be some, something else that we can do, you know? So, so have you run across your uh, canine patients that have had the UTIs, the urinary tract infections? Most of the time when I run across it with UTIs, they're more worried about the UTI forming stones. Um, so it, you, I, they don't typically come to me if the main cause is a urinary tract infection. And that can happen for other reasons too. It's been female dogs, you know, um, especially things, you know, environmentally can, can cause, um, you know, UTIs to form. 
But as far as from a nutritional perspective, where really I'm, I'm typically looking, uh, it's typically a case of, of worrying about struvite stone formation, which form in the presence of UTIs and other types of things like alkaline uh, urine. So it's usually a little more broader than just a UTI. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you had said in the beginning, you're not a veterinarian, but you do, you do see certain health conditions. So it's, it's Oh, I work. Well, when I say I'm not a veterinarian, of course I'm not a veterinarian, yeah. but that means what I never would do is diagnose a dog with something or, or tell them that, you know, that what, that my advice would take the place of veterinary care, just like I would hope that a registered dietitian in the human field would not tell them, you know, that they shouldn't go to their medical doctor. I work in tandem where, you know, I'll review the diagnostic lab work and we go over things. So based on the diagnoses, we then work and create the proper nutritional plan. We let the vets do the diagnoses and then we work to create the nutrition for it. However, I will say sometimes I see things and I'll say, hmm, if I were you, I would ask your vet such and such. And because I know, you know, just from so much experience working in the field and working with vets, that there's something perhaps more going on here um, than the vet has mentioned. So, but I'll say it like that, <laughs> you know, I would ask your veterinarian if your dog might be hypothyroid, for example. And that's something that, I mean, I, I, I would never even think that a dog could have a, a, th a thyroid issue. You know, you, you just think about that's that. That's the first book I wrote. It was the very first book I wrote back in 2012 with a vet was called um, The Canine Thyroid Epidemic. And it was about hypothyroidism. It's very, very um, prevalent in dogs. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Kate Paris said, are plant proteins as problematic as animal proteins for dogs with compromised liver function? Would you want to say anything yeah, like that? Yeah, that's, that's a fabulous show. Oh, I have stuff to say about everything pretty much. <laughs> so in the book, I don't have a chapter on liver, but I have a very big chapter on kidneys. And what do we, you know, what is the liver's primary function? And uh, in tandem with the, with the kidneys a lot, but the liver is really filters toxins out of the body, right? And so here I am talking all about the bioaccumulated toxins in animal ingredients. So if we have a liver issue, and I do a lot of liver diets for dogs, if we have a liver issue, what do we want to do? We want to not stress the liver even more, right? So why would we stress it with toxins in meat products? So the answer is absolutely, it's fabulous because you're feeding lower on the food chain, you're feeding fewer toxins, and you're giving the liver less stress to filter those toxins. Yeah, and then you think about how people feed dog liver from other animals. Right. Well, yeah. liver, liver filters toxins. It doesn't store toxins. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you, if you're feeding your dog liver, you're giving it necessarily more toxins, but it's just in general, all meat products, not necessarily the liver more than others, but the fatty tissues and things are storing those to toxins. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Cheryl said, 
I've heard that dogs in the wild did not have the dental issues that domesticated dogs do. What can we do with their diet to help improve dental health? Yeah, so I think something that's very interesting is when people say, well, your dog should eat kibble to improve their health. Um, And that's still prevalent among many veterinarians. And I kind of liken it to saying that we should eat like crackers or something to improve our dental health, you know, because ultimately you want to improve your dental health by brushing your teeth. And it really is the same thing with our dogs. You want to brush their teeth. Um, They don't always like it, but it's really important to sensitize them, if you will, to getting their teeth brushed with a dog specific toothpaste or dog friendly toothpaste. So you really want to brush their teeth beyond that nutritionally. Um, you can do things like um, dehydrated sweet potato, you know, is, is something good to let them gnaw on if you have a bigger dog too, and they like that. So things like that, that might help. But ultimately, we have good dental hygiene by brushing our teeth, uh, you know, and getting them cleaned. Although I will say just, and this is where I say I'm not a vet, but this is me personally and what I've seen amongst clients. I personally won't put my dog under general anesthesia to get his teeth cleaned. Um, I, I have seen too many issues of previously healthy dogs who have turned not healthy after that. Um, I'm very lucky to have my veterinarian who, as a matter of fact, I'm taking my dog next week, will do a, maybe it's a little lighter dental cleaning than it would be, you know, but he does um, sort of more of a a gas, not a, not a general anesthesia, something that is um, like a twilight, maybe, if you will, but you're not intubating. Um, so I would ask around about that as well. I know there are non-anesthesia, there are companies that do non-anesthesia dental cleanings. So that's the thing I would be, um, you know, take into account if you do a cleaning. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. And I, don't you think that maybe their gums are healthier if they're eating a healthier diet in general? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, there are, but there are issues. You know, there's something in cats called feline, storal, feline oral stomatitis, which is an autoimmune condition where the bacteria, the autoimmune system attacks the bacteria in the gums uh, to an excessive degree. Um, and you have to remove the teeth in order. I'm not a cat nutritionist, but I just happen to to know this. Um, so there are situations where you can be predisposed like a person can, um, you know, so that's why good hygiene is always a good thing. Okay. Well, that's something that's very good to know. I, I'm so appreciative of all your knowledge and I'm sure everybody else is. So Linda said, how do I get fussy dog? <laughs> I'm sure you hear this question a lot. To eat all vegan. I hate buying any kind of meat. Are there any supplements I need to give them if they stop eating commercial dog food? And where do I get them? Thank you. Well, and this is what I was talking about before. The answer is if you, the answer is twofold. If you're if you're stop eating um Oh, yeah. Well, you're saying you're going to stop eating commercial dog food. Yeah. So if you're going to do your own preparations, you absolutely have to supplement. And and it does go beyond the scope of what I can say now. Um, I, I would urge you to look in the book because I give you a blueprint on how to properly put together your own diet. In other words, 
we want to start with calories when we talk about how much we feed a dog. And we want to talk about then the protein, the fat, what foods do we use? And then what supplement mixes do we use? And, you know, even depending on the part of the world someone's in, I have resources for different products they can use. We always want to have taurine and carnitine for heart health. Um, so it goes beyond, you know, the scope of what I can just say generically here. I would say get the book and let it run you through it. Um, the fussy dog is the bane of my existence, right? <laughs> because I happen to live with one too, right? Um, but what I would say to that, and I do give strategies in the book, sometimes we are so desperate to be afraid that they might miss a meal that we start hand feeding them and doing things like that, which we don't want to do because then we're training, they're training us. Um, you know, but I would say find what your dog, find flavors your dog gravitates towards and incorporate those in. My dog gravitates, believe it or not, he loves herbally things like parsley, um, mint. It's some dogs like the umami flavor of kind of mushrooms. You can buy culinary mushroom powder, which is safe, you know, like a porcini mushroom powder um, that you might use in a sauce and put some on, which has that kind of meaty flavor. Some dogs like cheesy flavors, nutritional yeast would work great. So try to find those flavors they like and find a way to, in a dog safe way, provide them with a plant-based diet. Oh, that's great. I, I have it. I have a dog now and, uh, he, oh, well, he loves bananas. <laughs> he'll, he'll do yeah. anything. He'll do anything for a banana. I think that's his high, <laughs> high value treat. High and, value and, treat. Uh, yeah. So, but so I, sometimes I might mash up a banana and mix it in the food. Well, which there you kind go. Of that's me. your dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminded me when I introduced baby food to my babies, the, the pediatrician said, you know, put some applesauce in it, you know, and, and so I guess those things work. And, and it's amazing yes, to it's watch the same them. I mean, type of thing. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, yeah, they're born. You just need to be sure it's dog safe. That's all. Yeah. Yes, yes. And they're, they're born not being able to see or hear. So their sense of smell is everything. And, and when I do that, I just kind of watch him sniffing around the bowls and saying, maybe I can find a higher concentration of that banana here or the higher concentration of applesauce here. <laughs> yeah, and you bring up a great point, which is dogs have much more refined senses of smell than we have. So they really do eat with their noses first. Warm foods are better, right? Because it's, it creates more aroma. So things that would create a nice aroma will be more tempting because again, they start with their noses. Oh, that's really great. You have so there's so many pearls that we're getting today. It's just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> okay, let me just see. I think I saw another another question. And here we go. Oh, this is a this is interesting. Uh, Danielle wanted to know, is it okay if I allow my dog to drink some of my green smoothie? Yes. <laughs> yeah, as long, and I'll go keep going back to it, as long as you, what you put in it is dog safe. Absolutely. Greens are wonderful. I, in my book, I have a smoothie recipe. So I, you know, and adding things like blueberries to it, you can start with some, um, you know, 
So almond milk, and again, make sure there's nothing else in it besides what, you know, would, I hate to keep repeating that, but I just want to be sure that everything we give them is dog safe. And then the green kale is wonderful. Uh, spinach, collards, I, you know, blueberries you can put in, um, you know, blackberries, raspberries, um, you know, a little organic uh, soy milk or almond milk or cashew milk, just not, not, not macadamia nut milk. Um, and, and absolutely it's, you know, a lot of times I'll tell people if their dog has a condition like cancer or something like that, and they're not eating well, um, try a smoothie because it's going to go down easier. Hmm. That's very, very smart. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so Angie said, I've eliminated oil from my diet and I don't feel comfortable adding it to my dog's diet. Is it necessary to add oil to homemade food or are ground nuts and seeds a good, better substitute? I love these questions because what it told me is I address like everything in my book. I actually have a whole <laughs> section comparing oils and seeds slash nuts, right? A whole section. And absolutely nuts, dog safe nuts and seeds are healthier because what is oil? It's basically fat, right? It's just oil. There's not really other, you know, some certain oils have some vitamin E in it or cod liver oil, which we don't want to give, you know, would be rich in vitamin A. But for the most part, it's, it's fat. Um, nuts and seeds have protein, have fiber, right? Have vitamins and minerals. So they come out on top. So interestingly, a few years ago, when I, this epiphany kind of came to me, I started substituting in my own, in my formulations for my clients, um, in the custom recipes, I started using like nut butters instead of oil. Like tech, I would have put in maybe, you know, some sort of oil. And instead I thought, wow, why don't we get that necessary fat from a nut butter? Um, with a very large dog, you might need to add some oil because you might need to crank up the calories, nice. you know, and oil because it's just fat has more fat. Um, so there are situations where, or if you have a very athletic dog, if you have a dog that's losing weight or that has cancer or something where they, you know, again, every dog's an individual. If you're talking about a healthy adult dog at what we call a stage of maintenance, not pregnant, not, you know, whatever, um, then, you know, nut butters and seeds are wonderful. Okay, very good. All right, well, here's something that's a, a lot of people have been, I'm, I'm going to put this question up, but a lot of people have been asking questions about puppies. So maybe you can expound upon puppies. Yeah. This question says, my small puppy loves beans, bananas, apples, cooked broccoli, and cauliflower separately. If I blend them together, he takes a few licks. <laughs> he licks off sprinkled ground flax or chia. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a texture thing. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, it could be a texture thing. They're very um, in tune to texture. And I've had that. I've had people tell me my dog won't eat a whole blueberry, but if I mash it up in the recipe, it's fine. Um, mm. I do want to say with puppies, I'm assuming maybe these are treats you're giving, but 
you know, we want to make sure a puppy, especially gives a, a complete, well, we want to make sure all dogs, but puppies can have lifelong ill effects if they don't get their uh, complete and balanced diet. Unfortunately, to date, we're still really kind of waiting for the commercial vegan pet food industry to catch up with now what's becoming more popular, which are the vegan dog diets. There's a whole lot of adult diets out there, not really puppy diets. So there aren't really like options right now for plant-based puppy food. Um, in, mm -hmm. in, it depends where you are. I think maybe in Europe there actually might be, but in the U.S. there's a complete and balanced, uh, excuse me, a um, all life stages food. But in all life stages food, you have to be very careful, especially if you have a, it's not meant for a large breed puppy mm. because it, it's they grow just, very yeah. quickly. At, you got it. Yeah. Yes, you've got it. So I would just say, be very cautious about that. But if these are, are just little treats you're adding on top, kudos and why they do that, why your puppy does that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe texture. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had on pediatricians, and it almost feels like the same conversation. It is. Like, <laughs> kids that now, don't go to college. Yeah. I I I get supplements from uh, one of the. I think it's one of the, the compassion one that you. I think that was in your book, and they. I noticed yeah. that they have a puppy supplement. They do have a puppy supplement for people who want to do um, homemade recipes. Um, so, you know, I used to do homemade, uh, custom formulated homemade puppy recipes. And I will tell you that I actually stopped doing them because they were really labor intensive um, mm -hmm. to get it right. Yeah. You know, if you look at a puppy formula, you really are going to see even more of a longer, you know, list. And, and it's just a different balance. Um, so yes, they do have it. Um, but again, just be cautious because there are, you know, I can't, they, there are a whole array of specific, um, conditions that puppies need to meet. Yeah. It's not, so, you know, with the pro, like, even the protein, you know, which wouldn't be affected by the, the supplement, but, you know, just understanding how much protein they need, the caloric density of the recipe right? Mm -hmm. If the caloric density is too great, meaning how many calories are packed into that amount of food the dog's eating, that's when they can grow too fast. That's when mm -hmm. a large breed puppy can get developmental orthopedic disease. So even though that's a wonderful supplement that might be out, it doesn't necessarily take into account all these other variables. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So especially if it's a large breed dog that some somebody really needs to to consider it. Yeah, if you have a large to, breed dog, you really yeah. um, need to be super careful. Um, my mentor, someone that I just love and who I recently interviewed is Dr. Richard Pitcairn. And I also mm -hmm. highly advise that everyone read the fourth edition of his book, Dr. Pitcairn's Guide, Complete Guide to Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. Dr. Richard Pitcairn, and it's P-I-T-C-A-I-R-N. And you need to be sure it's the fourth edition of his book where he goes completely plant-based and he has recipes in the book. And I believe a couple of them are suitable for puppies. And I believe he uses the Vegapup. So you could actually try that if you're looking for your puppy. 
Well, that's good. Very good information there. Yeah, that was before before I found your book. I that's what I uh, had consulted. It's wonderful. He, yeah. yeah, he goes into really great detail about all that, and it's and again, it's. I mean, there are people that are just. It's not he's a pioneer. Just, yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's amazing because he's been around for so long and he's been spreading this message for so long. And, and now people are starting to finally catch on. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a exactly. great, so you, both of your books would be great companion books for each other. They're different and they, and they're yeah. complementary. Yeah. Yeah. Gina said, a friend's dog will starve rather than eat vegetables. Help. <laughs> well, that gets back to the finicky thing. And of course, you don't, you know, and, and again, we want to, you know, it's interesting where you say then eat vegetables because the vast majority of calories in a plant-based diet for dogs needs to come not from vegetables, but from legumes. It needs to come from soybeans, from lentils, from you know, beans, uh, again, the organic tofu, um, maybe they would like an organic textured vegetable protein added in. Um, so we don't want to just mistake it, you know, and you, by saying vegetable, you might've meant that, but I just want to be sure because on a caloric basis, you know, vegetables don't provide enough calories or protein or even fat. We need to create this vegetable, this, this diet based on the proper proportions. And that's what I run people through. Dr. Pitcairn offers set recipes and I offer like the blueprint for doing it yourself. So they're good synergistically together. Yeah, I would say. I love to feed my dog uh, chickpeas for treats. Right. And yeah, I, a lot of dogs love that. Yeah. yeah. He, he really, he, he likes that a lot. And he's, he's, he's a smaller dog. So I, I have to Break, I put I squish them in half because <laughs> so, and that and that brings me along I think I saw another um, question well I hopefully I can find it because they're just kind of spinning through but there was something about it's uh, a great question so I really appreciate them very yeah, very it, wonderful question it would have been great when you were make writing your book if people would have just had these and you say yep Got that. Oh, this, this came from yeah. This came from years of hearing questions. The book, and that's why I'm very happy to see that I have really answered all of these types of questions because it's it was the questions that I got year after year after year from clients. Um, mm. So yeah, that's great. I found the question. Jennifer wanted to know: Is is it important to blend the homemade food? If so, why? It's not important to, well, first of all, okay, I'm going to, I always have caveats, right? Because everyone is different. <laughs> if your dog has dental problems or not teeth, um, which, you know, might sound funny, but a lot of senior dogs, uh, you know, they've already had a lot of teeth extracted. Um, so you would want to blend. Um, sometimes for smaller dogs, they accept things better that way. The answer generically is no, it's, you don't have to blend them, but what you, but what is important to do is to at least like either chop or run through a food processor to help break down the outer cell wall of like the vegetable, you know, like if you're feeding the vegetable raw too, um, you know, when I say this and I used to hand my, my other dog, um, 
my, my dog now Moo doesn't even like carrots, but my other dog loved carrots and he would go and just chomp on the carrot, but he was a shepherd mix. So it also depends on the size of your dog, right? Um, and what they can handle. Oh, and by the way, carrots, that's another good thing for like teeth. Um, you know, but so the answer is running it through like a food processor might help or does help to break down that outer cell wall, which helps because dogs don't have people will say, oh, well, dogs don't have amylase in they don't have amylase in their mouths like we do, which begins that digestive process of like carbohydrates in the mouth. However, they do have it, um, I believe it's from the pancreas. But so if we want to help start that in the mouth, we do it by breaking down the food. So it doesn't have to be pureed, but it helps, you know, like when we talk about lentils, um, when I formulate recipes, I'll tell people that you should use like red or yellow lentils because they're like the mushier kind, as opposed to say green, brown or black, which even after they're cooked, remain kind of hard. You know, that's the type you would use like in a lentil loaf for a lentil burger. Whereas the red or yellow would be more like in the dal, like the Indian dal type dishes. So I always think about what's going to be easier to digest. When we talk about say quinoa, I say use white quinoa, not red or black, which are harder uh, varieties to digest. Use the fluffier white variety. So always think about that. And at least like if you're doing chickpeas, like you mash them up sort of thing. But you don't oh, have that's to puree great. all the food. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think, I think some people we're thinking that that the dogs eat so quickly that they wouldn't get the nutrients because they wouldn't chew them or or something. But it's no different than if they're gobbling a hunk of meat, you know. Yeah, yeah, because they probably you don't know. chew that all the way either. <laughs> and if that's the case, they actually make special um, because pureeing it. I, I mean, yeah, it would have necessarily even make it more digestible, but. You know, dogs do, um, you can actually use some, sometimes they have those bowls, which help slow down eating too. So if that's mm. the problem. Very good. Very yeah. good. Well, we certainly have a lot of interest in uh, what what you have to say today. And I'm, I'm really to, glad. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you're here. I'm having a lot of fun. I love learning. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wanted to, right now we had, throughout the broadcast, we were telling people that we were going to be announcing about a book giveaway, which you have so generously offered to give away a book. And so um, I'm, I have a, a place where a landing place where people can go for the giveaway. And I'm going to be putting that in the comments. So if you click on that, it'll tell you all the rules and all the other things that we're supposed to say. <laughs> and then uh, it, the contest will just go on for a few days. And then once the winner gets randomly picked, Picked, then uh, Diana will send that book to you. And so I'm really excited about this book, Plant Powered Dog, because I, I just think every anybody that wants to, even if you just want to feed treats to your dog, I think it's a good idea to, to have this. And, you know, you might you might start transitioning your dog. Oh, Joy, maybe we could just talk one more minute about transitioning, and then, then I want to let you have an opportunity to tell us about what you do. If you can talk us just a little bit about transitioning. Yeah, transitioning, I would say the main thing is go slow. Because if your dog is currently on a meat-based diet, there are different microbial species in the gut that actually ferment and digest certain types of 
food ingredients. So if you just, if they're not used to eating plant-based ingredients and you do that, you're going to get a whole lot of gastrointestinal issues. Then you're going to say, my dog can't eat a plant-based diet. It gives them gas. It gives them diarrhea. It's really for the, because you did it too fast. So you want to go slowly, take your time. It's not a, you know, a race. It's the long game. Do it over a couple weeks or even more if your dog is prone to digestive issues. Um, so going slow, being, uh, being aware, one of the things people, another huge question in a whole section in the book about poop, right? Because <laughs> people become concerned because they'd be like, well, my dog's on a plant-based diet and you know, he's, he's got more poop, he's pooping maybe more often or more volume. And quite similarly to people, right? Like if you're eating like big hunks of meat and you're going to be constipated, okay? Plant products, have, plant foods have fiber. So fiber helps to eliminate, not, you know, to eliminate toxins from the system too. So as, expect that. Just be sure that your dog isn't, you know, passing undigested pieces of food, getting back to the pureeing question. If they are, then you need to be, break, you know, thinking about doing that. Um, so you don't want to see loose stool. You don't ever, of course, want to see mucus or blood or diarrhea or food. But other than that, be aware that their fiber in a plant-based diet is going to help them to, to you know, have more stool. So go slow, be aware of that, and just be sure that it's nutritionally sound and well-balanced and that it, that's all doggy safe foods. There's a lot more doggy safe plant foods than there are ones that aren't. So it's not hard to avoid them. Right. And um, Dr. Furman has something that he says about humans where he says, if you are on medications, especially for diabetes, and he says for blood pressure, that you really need to work with your physician because you could become over-medicated. Could that be the case for a dog that might be on insulin for type 2 diabetes? That's very interesting that you bring that up because I actually um, a few years ago did a diabetes diet for a dog who had sky-high um, glucose levels and was on a lot of insulin. And then, yes, you need to be going back because within a couple of weeks of being on the diet, the vet was able to cut the insulin, I think, in half. So you definitely want to be, which is why I laugh when I've heard people say things like, you know, it, and I have a whole chapter on diabetes and, you know, a diabetic dog shouldn't eat plant-based, it's carbs, you know, the whole thing with carbs, mm. carbs, you know, <laughs> all plant foods are carbs, folks, you know, <laughs> they're the healthiest foods. You know, we're not saying feed sugar, like you say, or, or feed refined uh, flours, you know, like white flour or what have you. We're saying feed healthy complex uh, carbohydrate plant foods and fiber helps to stabilize blood sugar so it helps to slow the release of sugars into the system um so yeah yeah well i just Good wanted to, to, to say those couple of things because it was so, so important to to let people know that they shouldn't just if they're if they have a health condition for their dog they should be consulting their their vet Especially. You have to consult your vet, yeah. but you also have yeah. to be aware that your vet isn't necessarily the best source of nutrition information, right? Right. You know, and it's, it's a tricky subject, just like your medical doctor might not be the best source of your nutrition information. He's the best source of your medical care 
and your veterinary care. And that's why I always tell people to find the vet. If you are going to transition your dog to plant-based, I, I urge people to try to find a veterinarian who is at least open to it because you want to share all the information, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to hold it back. It's a big part of, of, of your dog's care. Unfortunately, the veterinary industry, I wish they would all read the book because they've got to catch up with, with the science that's out there. Yeah. yeah. Just like our medical doctors are not caught up. Just like in, our medical doctors. Yeah. 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 But, and one who one of my heroes, Dr. Michael Greger points out, right? You know, I mean, the medical industry hasn't really caught up with it. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. Well, I'm so glad that that um, I found you and I found your book. And I thank you so much, Diana, for dispelling the myths and giving us so many tips to help our dogs adopt a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet. And thank you so much for uh, donating this book for the giveaway. And I'm really excited about that. And check out the comments and the description for more information about that, everyone. And everyone, please click like to show your appreciation for what Diana shared with us today. Diana, why don't you tell us about what you do and how people can find you? Yeah, so I have been a canine nutritionist, like I said, for about a dozen years. And I started out meat-based, you know, before I realized um, both ethically and for health that um, I needed to go plant-based for, for my practice. So I transitioned my practice basically overnight, okay, to being a plant-based canine nutritionist, thinking no one's going to contact a plant-based canine nutritionist, right? Um, but you know what? I'm super happy to say that I get more interest in inquiries and clients now than I ever did. So basically what I do is clients come to me for their dog and I formulate um, custom, complete and balanced plant-based diets for them. And if when we base it on the, the individual dog, on any health conditions and things like that, you get, um, you know, you can show your veterinarian um, that it's complete and balanced. There's all the, uh, the nutritional data that's part of the document. So that's really what I do. And my website for anyone who's interested is plantpowereddog.com, plantpowereddog.com. I have a contact form there. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at plantpowereddog. And you can find me on Facebook at the plantpowereddog because I got hacked about a year ago on Facebook and never got back in. Um, they kind of believed the hacker was me rather than me. So if you, you would find a page there that I can't even get rid of because I can't get back in. So on Facebook, it's at the plant powered dog and everything else is plant powered dog. And that's really what I do. I have a master master of animal science degree and my whole passion is helping people dogs, helping dogs become healthier and helping in the process, create a kinder world where we're not harming other animals or the planet to feed our dogs. Yes, and I love how everything in the book is is backed up by research, and you're Science. you're not yeah. married to anything in this. If new research came out, you would be happy to. That's change correct. Something. That's correct. Right, and yeah. I and I'm thrilled to say that even though um, the book just came out in late January, actually a few more studies have come out since then 
that I wish I could have included about the health benefits. Um, so it's really cool stuff. And of course, we have to keep following everything. But, um, you know, the results are, are promising, more than promising in the studies. And I will say that now I've been formulating strictly plant-based diets since like 2018. So, well, you know, we're talking five or so years. And I can tell you that uh, I'm overjoyed with the results. So, yeah. Well, that's just wonderful. Green Warriors, tell us, what, what are you going to remember from this? What is your takeaway? I have so many takeaways, but one of my takeaways is that I was one of the people that thought you were supposed to blend the food and not do it any other way. So that was one of my takeaways that you could actually get away with maybe not blending up the food depending on what your dog was doing and, and what was going on outside. <laughs> And right. I also, yeah, so, so thank you so much, Diane. You just, it's just incredible the amount of information that you've been giving us. And I also wanted to thank Just Test Boys. She did the promos and she did the countdowns. And we had a quick switch of guests this week. And Diana was so kind because we really had, were scheduling her for a later date. And she said, sure, I'll jump in. And that was just so kind of you. So we had so Just Has Voice had to try to change everything up really quick. Just Has Voice, tell us who's coming up next. New to the whole food plant-based lifestyle? Chat with Esther as she reveals the lessons she learned to help her stay on track at age 72 and lose 130 pounds. Join us on Friday, April 28th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy Live. And also, I wanted to thank you, Green Warriors, most of all, because you're here and you're helping us out by sending the comments and sharing this message with everyone. And I also wanted to give all of you a chance to get a thank you from me. If you go to my website, begreenwithamy.com slash join, I'll send you five free plant-based recipes for humans. <laughs> and maybe some of them might be appropriate for dogs. It just depends on the ingredients. And if you get the book, you'll find out what all that is about too. But I just wanted to get that opportunity to thank all of you in that way. And I want to also invite all of you to take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and then take your left hand and grab your right shoulder. Now squeeze, because that's a hug from me to you and from me to you, Diane, for stepping in and doing this wonderful interview with us today. It's just been fabulous. I can't wait to, to see what everybody's comments are. And in the comments below, you can type in my tagline as I sign off with Diana. And she's going to say it with me. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do it. Until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. Green. <laughs> Thank you, Diana. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with V.